showing you how to reignite the embers of a distant and lonely relationship into a blazing, emotionally intimate connection. I'm your host, Amber Dawson. I'm a psychologist, author, and speaker. A few of my favorite things are my husband, Graves, and my adorable little dog, Riggs. Now let's learn how to create a soul crush in love that lasts. Hit subscribe in your podcast app so that simply by listening, you can rekindle your relationship by pouring a little gas on your relationship ember. This podcast is for informational purposes and should not be misconstrued for specific relationship advice. For advice for your specific relationship, seek a local couples therapist for relationship counseling for couples therapy. Welcome back to Relationships Like the Podcast. In this episode, we are talking about the question, how to know if you're compatible. We're going to go over four very important things to consider to answer this critical question. In the last 10 plus years of doing couples therapy, I've noticed a few themes that brings couples into my office. I remember when I worked in real life uh, and couples would come into the waiting room, the receptionist would hand them a thick stack of papers full of consent forms and background history forms. But at the very beginning of it all, on the second page, there was a question. What is the problem you are seeking help for? I would get this paper while the couple completed their consent forms. I would flip to it and I wanted to know what were they seeking help for? Most of the time, written in blue, hardly legible writing, I would read the same things again and again. A very common question that couples wanted the answer to was, are they even compatible? Now, it makes sense that couples were writing that because they're having problems in their relationship. They are feeling unseen, unheard, resentful, disrespected, unloved, misunderstood, and that's why they were coming to see me. So of course, when we're in a lot of conflict and it's not getting better, we're going to wonder, are we compatible? So let's talk about four things to consider when we're talking about compatibility. Because despite what Disney teaches us about relationships, and that's no, you don't find your forever partner and then ride off into the sunset to live happily ever after. It's not a fairy tale. Long-term love takes work. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you already know that it takes work and you're probably listening to this podcast for some practical tools or strategies because you need a little bit of help. So here are the four things to consider when you're wondering, are we compatible? So one of the big things to consider that I thought about when I was talking to Stan Tatkin, the author of Wired for Love, Wired for Dating, We Do, is Do you have the same beliefs and values about what a relationship is? Are you and your partner on the same page? And this is a pretty important question. I remember I was on the second date with my now husband. I was newly single. I'd only been dating for, I don't know, 10 months or so after my divorce. And on our second date, he knew he wanted to be in a relationship with me. And he said, let's be in a relationship. And I was floored. I'd been dating people where I got my hopes up just to get ghosted. I had been on a lot of dates that were flops. And my now husband and I had incredible chemistry. And when he said, you know, I think we should be exclusive. My jaw dropped. My stomach dropped. I felt like glued to my chair. I didn't know what to say. I was so into him, but I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming that he wanted to be in a relationship with me. And I was just out of a marriage. 
And so I was pretty forward and direct uh, going into marriage number two in my second round of dating. I just asked what I wanted to know. And I said to him, so what does a relationship even mean to you? I wanted to make sure that if I got into a relationship, we were on the same page. I don't remember exactly what he said, but I remember like being like, oh, okay. Yeah, that was, that was a good answer. Like quite shocked, leaning in kind of like surprised face. Like, yeah, that was, that was a really good answer. I was thinking someone that wants to be in a relationship that's asking me about that on our second date can't possibly want the same things I do, but he did. He very much did. He gave me a great answer and uh, I asked for some time to think about it. I don't have to think about it very long, but either way, based on his answer, I was like, well, might as well come to the table and see if this can work. We both had the same beliefs and values about a relationship and we both wanted to be in one with the other person. So it was a good place to start, but there's going to be things that just are not the kind of relationship you want. So for example, this is an easy one to kind of see an illustration to use. So let's use it. If we look at monogamy versus open relationships, people who want monogamy, who never want to sleep with another person and never want their partner to sleep with another person, will struggle to be in a relationship with someone who wants an open relationship, who wants to sleep with other people, who wants to be with other people. If only one of you wants monogamy and the other one wants an open relationship, This is destined for trouble. This relationship is likely not going to work because you have very different views about what a relationship is. So a very important question to ask yourselves is, what is a relationship to us? What are our beliefs and values about relationships? And do they mostly align? At times, you know, you can compromise. Can I give a little here? Can you give a little there? Can you find a way to get on the same page enough that you have the same general beliefs about relationship? Or does that different belief system make you incompatible? Okay, so the second thing to consider when you're wondering if you're compatible are deal breakers. Are you aware of what your deal breakers are? And does that other person have any? So deal breakers are things like infidelity, substance use, this can be drugs, alcohol, could be children, financial difficulties, work history. A deal breaker for me would be if someone didn't work ever and I had to be the sole provider, that would that would be a deal breaker for me. A deal breaker for a lot of people is kids. If one person wants them, the other doesn't. Substance use. So these are just things to think about. Certainly those aren't the only deal breakers. I just listed a few that I know come to mind often that can be deal breakers for people. So just consider for yourself are the kinds of things you're fighting about your deal breakers. And if they are, if they're your deal breakers, then there's a good chance you're not compatible. But if you're not fighting about deal breakers, they're just preferences, then chances are, well, there's a better chance you could work through them if you want to. The third thing to consider when you're talking about compatibility is, are you willing to learn how to handle conflict together? If you've been listening long enough, you'll know that the Gottmans talk about the four horsemen of the apocalypse because they are so bad for relationships. These are criticism, contempt, stonewalling, and defensiveness. When we use these, and we use them as the consistent dominant pattern of how we talk to our partner, we are setting up our relationship for breakdown. So a critical thing to figure out if you're compatible is learning how to avoid using those as the dominant way you communicate and figuring out how do you do conflict because destructive conflict is one of the leading reasons that relationships break down. So if you have different conflict styles, 
different conflict styles is actually quite normal. It's quite normal because we grow up in different family systems with different beliefs and values and expectations, different things that were modeled around conflict. It's normal to have different expectations around conflict. But if you can learn to come together to create a conflict style that is neither of your preferred ways to communicate, but is a general system for how you two can handle it together, it's more likely you're going to be able to be better compatible. Because that ties into the fourth thing to consider when you're thinking about compatibility. Choosing a partner is choosing a set of problems. The fourth point is, can you be tolerant and accept, you know, maybe just tolerate, maybe you get to acceptance of your partner's flaws. This means loving them, flaws and all. I know it's hard to do. I get that. And so one of the things the Gottmans also teach us is that 69% of relationship problems are called perpetual problems. Perpetual problems aren't ever going to be solved. They're there because your different beliefs, preferences, expectations, genders, family systems. These problems aren't going away. That means only 31% of relationship problems are solvable. And so we are going to have to learn to tolerate or hopefully accept some things about our partner we don't like. That is part of choosing a partner. And so when we can choose a partner and understand their flaws and we're willing to tolerate those flaws, you know, we're much more likely to be compatible. So again, there's flaws that are deal breakers, which was point two. And then we have to learn how to work through the non-deal breakers with our conflict, point three. And then accept and tolerate the things that are never going to change, point four. One of the things that helped me when I was thinking about acceptance and toleration of flaws was an idea I got from Christine Podesky called the flip-flop factor. And what it points out is that someone's best quality is also their worst quality. For example, maybe your partner is so spontaneous on a whim, they'll come up with the best ideas, but their worst quality is they never plan anything. Maybe your partner's best quality is they're well-organized. They do tons of planning. Your kitchen is perfectly labeled and everything is in its place. But on a bad day, you see that as controlling. Maybe your partner is really empathetic and loving and sensitive and you adore the way you can talk to them and they just hear you. And maybe sometimes they're not realistic or logical. Maybe you call your partner your rock. They're just so steady and solid and there for you. But the downside to that is they're not that emotional. And so remember, for everybody's best quality, it depends on the light you're looking at it under. Often our best quality is also our worst quality, and that is called the flip-flop factor. So when I see my husband doing something, I'm like irked. He's like very adventurous. So for example, he loves going backcountry, everything, camping in the wilderness, being out of cell range, doing dangerous things. Ooh, sometimes it gets my nostrils flaring, my face hot, and my heart pounding in my chest. I want to make that man stay at home. But then I remember... Some of the most best adventures of my life, where my heart skips a beat, I'm smiling ear to ear, and my eyes are twinkling is because he took me on one of these wild adventures in the backcountry. It's his best quality and one of his worst. 
So for some reason, whenever I talk about the flip-flop factor, someone often comments and says something like, I'm making abuse okay. I am not, let's just be clear, abuse is never okay. Abuse is not okay. Don't look at the good side of abuse. I'm not saying that. I don't know why people always think I'm making abuse okay when I talk about this. I am not making abuse okay. Abuse is not okay. All right. So if you want a relationship where you feel loved, seen, heard, appreciated, respected, ask yourself, do you both want the same kind of relationship? Are you fighting over a deal breaker? And if you do want the same kind of relationship and you're not fighting over a deal breaker, you're probably going to need to both learn to manage conflict together. And then you're just going to have to learn to tolerate some flaws about your partner that you don't love. I know <laughs> this isn't what love songs are written about. It's just practical. Thank you for tuning in to Relationship Psych, the podcast put on by Ember Relationship Psychology. If you're looking for more free relationship help or advice that comes straight from the couple's therapy room, check out the free resources and the blog at www.emberrelationshippsychology.com.